Welcome back to the Purpose Producer Podcast. This is the place where we honor people who are using their gifts to help others reach their destiny. My name is Georgia Dawkins, and I launched The Purpose Producer after writing my first book, Everybody Knows the Power of Being in Position. It's a story of hope, redemption, and spirituality that reminds us that we are always in a position to impact the lives of others. Meet Tamika Newhouse, better known as the Shonda Rhimes of Black Publishing. She is the CEO who went from being a teen mom to running her own company by the age of 20. The award-winning author has penned 17 novels and helped to publish nearly 300 books. In this episode, Tamika opens up about living with bipolar disorder as a single mom and media maven. Our conversation picks up in the middle of a memory featuring Beverly Hills, Beyonce, and sisterhood. You always come through in a season, like right when I like need that confirmation. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about when I saw you in Beverly Hills. And like, I know, right? How random. (laughs) That was such a crazy day. I had only been in LA for a few weeks and had just found out the day before that my job was ending. And then Mm -hmm. I go to uh, Sharia's book signing uh, slash celebration for Beyonce's publicist. I mean, right. And then Beyonce's publicist. (laughs) No big deal. And I wasn't expecting to see a familiar face other than Sharia. So when I turned around what? and saw you walking, you know, to the um, to the pool where they had the little, cute little setup. I ain't going to even yeah, lie. That was, was very adorable. Definitely did. It was cute. It was cute. <laughs> and it just was like that confirmation because I was having one of those days and Yvette Noel, sure, was talking about mental health and mm-hmm. um, just watching her mom suffer. And she was like, there's somebody... <laughs> You know, there are a lot of us out here today putting on the face, putting on the mask, yep. you know, you don't want anybody to know. And I was like, who sent her? I know. I mean, it's, 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 I'm in a space now where and it's kind of weird that you say that because we do kind of have these moments. Um, but I'm in a space now where it's OK to, to, to you know, to, to show your vulnerable side and to show that everything isn't so perfect. But for me, while I was in it, I think that I needed to understand what was going on in my life and understand my emotions before I could talk about it. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get lost in their own healing process because, you know, they're not really comfortable with these feelings or, you know, it makes them feel weak or it's heavy or they feel inferior. So it was a lot. So I'm in that place of let's talk about it. It's What's a that? lot of people, it's a lot of people bleeding on the timeline, you know, yep. and they, they want it to look like Photoshop and, you know, this ain't Canva, but really they're Not like falling apart, you know? Um, so I love that you are leaning into that vulnerability. I think that that is strength, you know, and there are yeah, seasons where we don't feel that, but that is that, you know, cause that it's in those moments that people see they're not alone. Like it's, mm-hmm. and it can be very lonely, especially in seasons, you know, of a pandemic. So let's just get started. Yeah. All right, <laughs> All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Who are you and what makes you a purpose producer? Well, that's interesting that you asked me that because 
uh, not too long ago, I was asked, did you plan on doing this? Was this your intent, you know, to help other people and, you know, to, to do all these books and put all these events together? And I'm like, no, nah, not really. I'm more of a visionary. And my visions actually just tend to help other people. They're not technically for me. So when I, when I curate these experiences, when I put out books or I create these conversations, they're not technically for me. And I really enjoy hearing and seeing the impact of the work that I do, um, you know, manifest in people's lives. They really, they take these experiences and they go off and they do these amazing, great things. And, and I'm touching people in different walks of life other than just publishing. Um, so for me, it's all about just my visions. They really just help and they just kind of benefit everybody for the most part and not just for me. So I, I got, um, I'm a little bit comfortable in that space now because I mean, a little bit, you, you get to the place where people expect you to be this, um, this motivator or this inspiration and then entitlement comes in that play, comes into play. And when you're human, um, you have your own emotions and things you're dealing with, you can kind of um, crumble underneath that pressure if you don't really know how to maintain that this role that you're now in. And I really um, had to learn how to be a leader, but also protect my energy in, in the same breath. So it's a weird space for me um, because I don't intentionally want to be, you know, a purpose provider and, you know, and helping people fulfill their dreams. That's not what I want to do. I don't wake up every day and say, oh, how can I help somebody? That's not really what, but, you know, so it's just my visions and things that I like to do. It really just helps other people. So, well, I've been in Atlanta. This is, this will be my fifth year in June. It'd be five years in Atlanta. And you low key been there every step of the way, giving me opportunities that either showed me what I really want to do or what I really don't want to do. And mm -hmm. uh, my most recent memory was working with Black Riders Weekend in, I believe, 2019. Um, mm -hmm. And that was just such a, a, a moment of confirmation for me. I remember walking into the room where I was teaching a, uh, a pitching, uh, it was a pitching workshop. You were at Creative Con. Mm -hmm. At Creative Con. Uh, but it, that day was Black Riders Weekend. I remember it was two flyers. Well, Creative Con is a part of Black Riders Weekend. Black Riders Weekend is the whole weekend. My goodness. And Creative Con is a conference that's inside of it. I'm okay. telling you, there's so many layers to it. It's layers. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> I'm happy to have been a part of it. But I remember walking into that room and standing there waiting for people to leave so I could start. Because I... It, in my mind, mm -hmm. they were not there for me. For you, <laughs> right? I so I was it. like, "Is the last <laughs> is the last workshop still going? Like, what time y'all right. want to start?" They were like, "No, nah, all of these people." And I was like, "But there well, are people, but class. there are people standing, you know." So I just wanted to thank you for putting me in that position to see my worth. You know, that was just such a dope, mm -hmm. a dope experience, and the people that I met that day and the things that I was able to share, like, it was just beautiful. I wish we had something like that now, you know, where we could go outside. But I, I know, know. You're, you're working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on bringing Black Black Riders Weekend back this summer. It will be hybrid. It won't be as vibrant and large like that. It won't, that probably won't be the case till next summer. But um, I do appreciate you sharing your experience with that because everything that I do is all about intent. And my good friend, Kimberly Jones, who recently went viral this past year on, she spoke on civil unrest. Um, and so now she's like this civil, this 
civil rights activists and face billboards all over Atlanta. It's pretty dope. But she got started here at Black Writers Weekend. And she, she, uh, you know, she made me realize that I have a really good eye or good net for putting people strategically in, in different positions um, because I feel that they could handle it. But then not only that, I'm looking for new voices, people that I can kind of activate. And I've been able to do that now going on seven, eight years using that platform, just finding people such as yourself, putting y'all in different positions where you're able to speak or this is your first book signing or you mix and mingling. And it's other people like you in the room. Like it takes a lot of research to find these type of people and then put y'all in the room so y'all can, you know, make some stuff happen. So for me, that is my purpose. Like I'm, I'm putting things in place and it, it surpasses me, you know, and people are now there, like, it's so many amazing stories that have come out that weekend. So I love it. I love it. I love I'm it. I'm excited about it. I recently <laughs> heard your interview on Black and Published with Nikisha Elise Williams. And yes. I was listening to you going, dang, that's why I like talking to Mika. Because you always remind me of why I love writing. When you were talking about being a little girl and staying up and the people in your head and all the scenes <laughs> that you could see. I'm like, you know, the notebook was yep. always there for me. The pen and the paper were always there yep. for me. And even though I didn't understand it as a kid, that that's what that was. That was that creative being coming through. You know, I'm so mm -hmm. grateful for those moments now. So like, how do you make room in your daily practice for your writing? Unfortunately, I haven't been so successful at that because I got caught up in creating stories in other ways. Um, and I had to get comfortable with um, telling stories just outside of books. So I can tell stories through my events that I put together now through my podcast that I have, also through this, the conversations where I'm doing my book tours and I have a mentorship program for other writers. So there's other ways I'm able to share my stories, create new stories, and still kind of fulfill that, that void that I need to create. Because when you are a creator of any art form, you have to be creating or you're just going to go crazy. You have to be doing something. Um, and so for me, because I got so involved um, and curating these events and orchestrating all these opportunities. And then I started working with different brands and networks. Like I really just got caught up in other things. I really just had to be okay with not writing and, you know, in the book format as much. I'm not I mean, I don't write as much as I used to. Um, I think it's because I was set, I'm 17 books in and I'm a Gemini at the end of the day. You know, we have these multiple personalities. I kind of get bored. And I accomplished so much with my writing. Like I landed a, a major publishing deal only nine months after self-publishing. And I was 21 when I did that. And then I launched a, a six-figure publishing house. I was 23 when I did that. And then I published like well over 300 books. So I wasn't even 30 by the time I did that. So it's like, okay, writing doesn't challenge me in that space. Like creating stories in other way, like visual stories now is where I'm at and these events and, and, you know, all this is basically where my, my energy is currently at. So I'm going to be writing probably one more, you know, non, uh, romance story, finishing up my books, Sugar Hill. And then I'm stepping into something different with nonfiction writing, creating some different manuals and things like that. But I don't know, George, I'm still, I'm still maintaining that space. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out for myself. I like the, the, the flex, but it was like, not a flex. This is like, 
this is what I do. I like I, I yeah, eat, that's I, why I, I breathe. Like You're sleep. a media queen. <laughs> You're a media queen. And so congratulations on Traces of Mika. I wanna know Thank you. what what opened you up to wanna lead with vulnerability in that way? Well, I'm always I'm an innovator first and foremost. Everything that I do for the most part has never been done in the way I've done it, almost every single thing. So taking this podcast and creating a memoir is something that no one has done. And so I decided to create a whole new genre. It's called a memoir pod. And it's picking up uh, traction that now have been picked up by two large podcast festivals for me to talk about the process. Um, and what the reason why I wanted to create stories in a dialogue setting uh, was because one, I didn't want to sit and write it. Two, I didn't think that people would be that interested in sitting down and reading my, my story. Um, and then three, I wanted something to challenge me. Um, and creating this podcast, I took content when I was like 10, 11 years old, and I infused it with conversations of today around my life, um, love, parenting, um, trauma. And I'm talking about a lot of different things. What started Traces Amika was the industry tried to counsel me with the publishing industry like two years ago. Well, bump that. Every other year they try to counsel me, <laughs> which is interesting. But two years ago, they was really going in hard. And I was like, dang, that's kind of messed up. Because a lot of these people that was talking trash about me, like I've been in y'all homes, I did at y'all table. Um, yeah, I have sent y'all money when you didn't even need it. Like I've opened doors. A lot of y'all have your own careers now because I've set y'all up on that. But then there was a, a time and a place where I created boundaries and I started saying no to some people. And that created a lot of enemies. Like people love you or they either hate you. And for me, I deal with bipolarism and I deal with depression on a daily basis. So my brain is what's most important to me now. So when people tried to attack me and they wanted me to quit, I wanted to be like, fuck you. Well, I don't want to cuss. So I want to be like, F you and all this other stuff. I want to be like really angry. I was like, you know what? Let me show you how I'm going to counteract. I can use this and I could channel it and I can create something from it. Then I can profit from it. Um, and then I can heal through it. And that's exactly what I did with Traces Amika. And that's why I call it Traces Amika because it's Traces of me. Everything that you can think of, I'm talking about all, even my own wrongs, because I have to take accountability in my own journey. I can't just talk about what people did to me. I can't just talk about my traumas. I can't just talk about just the good things. I have to talk about my ugly parts too, the things I struggle with. And through that, people are connecting and finding their purpose. And they're also finding the, the areas that they need to heal and start those talks so they can, you know, get to that, that healing process. And it's a process to get to the healing process. So what did that look like for you? You know, that for, for the entrepreneurs who are out there thinking, you know, I need to talk to a therapist or I'm talking to a therapist, but, you know, I feel like there's something else, you know, the depression, the anxiety, and maybe they can't name it. How do you manage your mind and manage your business when one might not feel as successful as the other? Um. Honestly, I've had, like, what's crazy is my career has been, I have not had to work a job since I was 23, simply because I can control that space. But when you go into the personal part of life, you have your children, your spouses, your parents, your siblings, you can't really control 
a lot because it involves a lot of a lot of other people. So for me, I had to really identify what was really important, create boundaries with people that I technically did not want to continue having them in my space and being being prepared for what's coming with that. Because people have reactions to the choices that you make for your life and, and standing my ground and being like, I don't care that you made. I'm doing this for me. Like this is this is to make me happy. I'm choosing me in this moment. And what that looks like is clearly saying no, um, physically changing your environment, and then purposely thinking and processing differently. So I would say things outwardly because your words have power. I grew up in a church, so I'm really I'm really connected spiritually when it comes to Black Jesus. When it comes to manifesting the things that you want in your life, your words really do have power. I don't like that, so I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be sad today. So I'm going to be happy and I'm going to tap into things that I, you know, that I find enjoyment in. Um, I'm not going to um, just stay in that space because we can choose to stay down. Like we know we're sad, we know we're angry, but then we don't have solutions to get out of that. So what are your hobbies? Uh, what are some things that bring you joy? What is something that is not going to feel like a, like a chore, an obligation, and tap into that space. And then who, what people are around you? Are they making you laugh? Do they make you feel good? Are they dependent on you? Um, are they weighing you down? Let's process these things and see if these people are adding value to your life. And if they're not, then this is when you start, you know, chiseling away. That part is hard. Breaking away from bad habits, from bad people, that in itself is a process. People will try to attack you, make you feel bad. For choosing things that make you feel good your response is so oh well because at the end they were born alone we walk every day by ourselves alone for the most part we're in our own we're in our head by ourselves ain't nobody inside our body but us and then when we perish and we we pass on we by ourselves so I, i'm not really in a in a i'm not in in life, I don't want to experience my days trying to please other people and trying to make them happy and them comfortable. That doesn't work for me. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's Mika, y'all. All right. If y'all, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I love it's, it. Me, it's easy. Like, it's, it's an easy, it's a, no, it's not easy. It's logical. It's very logical to me. I'm going to use logic. If you're not happy, why? And what can you do to change it? And let's go and let's break down the how. What's the steps? Because it's possible. It may not be easy, but it's possible. You have to go through that process. Yeah, I've cried. There are times I didn't get out of bed. Um, I have been single, purposely single, since I was 28. Now I've dated. I've been asked out. And I've, I've had guys want more. But I said, no, you know why? It takes a lot to love on other people while you're trying to heal while you're trying to discover things that make you happy. I wasn't a great full individual. So how can I be a, a great full individual and a great partner with, to this particular person that's asking me to now join forces with them? That, it doesn't work like that. And so, yeah, I think people need to take that time to just get to know themselves as well. If you can be single, be single. Like if you can have someone out of your space, have them out of your space, heal, and just be by yourself, it's okay. You don't have to be with somebody. I mean, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the the routine, because what I'm finding in managing my own mental wellness 
is that routine really matters. So what are what is your daily routine? And then what are your go-tos when you maybe fall into those lulls? What are the hobbies that you turn to to pull yourself out? Well, my, well, I definitely have a daily schedule. So I have like this, um, well, I have an actual physical journal that I utilize to break down what I need to accomplish for the month. Then I have, um, I get a regular notebook, um, a note sheet, piece of paper, and I write down my daily to-do list, things that I need to get done today. The reason why I do that is because if you think about the, about the bigger picture, you get overwhelmed. I mean, that's just a given. Like, if you think about the hill that's way up there, you ain't about to be walking towards it. Because I don't want to do that hill. That's that's about to hurt. But instead, I'll just focus on the path that's in front of me right here. Get this done. Get this accomplished. All right, cool, bet. Then I'm going to move to the next step. All right, when I get that done, all right, cool, bet. Then I'm going to get to So I just train myself to channel my thoughts and my focus versus thinking about the bigger picture. Um, then when I do feel myself feeling overwhelmed, I do a lot of running. Uh, Georgia has a lot of trees. So I do my trail a lot. Um, I also, I used to smoke weed a lot. Don't quite do that as much, but I think that helps a lot of people that deal with anxiety, especially if you don't want to be on medication or anything like that. You know, light up guys, green earth, you know, indulge a little bit. Um, A nice glass of wine at the end of the day is really good. Your baths. And then I also light my candles and I pray at the end of the day. Talk to Black Jesus. I tell Black Jesus what I need and what I want. Me, I, meaning I manifest and I speak these things outwardly. I want happiness. I want financial freedom. I want peace. I want good health. I want my children to be healthy. I want my children to be happy. Like I speak these things that I want and I go to sleep and I do it all over again. So how did you get to that practice? Having been raised in the church and half the things that you just listed, it's going to send you straight to hell. How did you get to building your own spiritual practice to be the Mika you are today? Well, you know, what's what's interesting is because I grew up thinking that Jesus was mean. Mean? Mean. Mm. Because in, black, in the black church, everything that you did was a sin. Like if I rolled my eyes, if I pop my lip if I get a bad grade if my room is not clean like everything was a sin everything was bad I'm like God, Jesus is mean <laughs> like what like what can I do to make it right so as I got older I understood what religion was for but logically I live on planet earth too so I have to have though the the discipline I learned in religion when it comes to prayer being accountable being respectful, being responsible, being disciplined. These things is what religion taught me. And then when it comes to the spiritual sense, I can feel, you know, God, I can feel spiritual presence. I can feel energies. You just like when you can see people and you can tell when someone is mean or you can tell when someone is graceful, it's on them. It's in their energy. Like energies don't lie. And so I, I really tap into a lot of that these days, which is the logical sense. Are you a good person? And then I just try to do good because religion is all about just doing good and make you feel accountable if you don't do good. So I really have to just apply those logical and practical thoughts to my day to day and continue my praying and my talking because yes, there is a spiritual sense. No one really knows and can explain it. Um, I call God Black Jesus. But because I feel that my spiritual leader, 
he looked like me and that's what I relate to. Um, and then I, I kind of, I, I, I guess I do um, journaling as well as far as therapy. Um, but I got to that place because as you get older, I mean, I'm on planet earth with other humans and logically some of these practices doesn't quite work. We don't have 900 year old men living today and we don't have giants walking around and we don't have talking snakes. We don't have these things that are technically in the Bible, but I understand the stories. I understand the teachings and I apply those stories, and those teachings to my life to hold myself accountable so that I can do good and good can come back to me. Yeah, that's the question. <laughs> yeah, just about it was just about finding your own, building your own spiritual yes. practice. I want people to know it doesn't look any type of way. Like it, it, it really does like religion and your spiritual journey doesn't, there's no blueprint to this. You really have to find or with something that works for you, just like how you eat and the things that you feed your body. Your body is your temple. I can't eat the same way that Georgia eat. Georgia can't eat the same way that I eat. We have totally different temples. Uh, we need different nutrients. Like we don't know what each other needs. So it's the same when your spiritual journey. And did you ever, have you ever dealt with any shame or like guilt when it comes to mental health? Yeah. How do you take that off and stand up the next day? Um, my, ooh, see, I'm a mother and I, and I was a single mother. And so my children will, will, they will witness me at my lows before I had a handle of my, my mental illness. They really saw me when I wasn't at my best. And I talk about my, my family dynamic, um, on Tracy's Amika. Um, and I, I experienced a lot of trauma in motherhood and motherhood was a huge trigger for me. Um, and how I dealt with it was trying different things, um, different things that mothers are supposed to, because there's no blueprint to that either. So it's either spending time or conversations, trying new activities, being more involved in the schools, um, more family talks, um, things like finding your children, my, well, my children's their habits and, and things they like to do like trying to connect with them on that level. But um, for me, motherhood was like the hardest, hardest because there's no getting it right. And your children think that you're supposed to be perfect. And then when you're not, that's a whole other story. So for me, I had to really go through the part of, I had to feel the guilt and I had to feel the disappointment and I had to be okay with, I wasn't perfect. I didn't get it right all the time and that's okay because I'm actually willing to try to do better. It'd be different if I wasn't, if I didn't care. And I was like, well, forget it. And I'm gonna just do whatever. But because I am intentionally wanting and trying to do better and be a better person every day, I find it okay that I didn't get it right every time. And it's okay. I think we, we put a lot on ourselves when we just don't get it right. We're human, we, we gonna mess up. We're not gonna get everything right. Um, but I had to feel it. I couldn't, you can't fake your way, fake the funk. Like if you're sad, you're upset, you're disappointed. You can't fake that out. Let yourself feel that. Cry it out. You know, go like, if physically go punch something, go to a, a kickboxing class, like get it out of you. Um, and then be like, all right, bet. Now what I need to do to do better? Like get back into the game and try another way. And then if that doesn't work, all right, cool. Dust yourself off again. 
and let's keep trying because what's the alternative? Not giving up. Because when you do that, that's when life stops. So you have to just keep trying till you know, you find something that works. I often think about the little girl that I was and suffering with anxiety and depression, eight years old, my earliest memory of having suicidal thoughts and actually attempting my life. And I'm wondering, how did that show up? How did your mental um, wellness show up in your in your childhood? What were some things that you might look out for now in children that you wish somebody would have seen that you were dealing with? Well, I was a lonely child for, for whatever reason I didn't, I was more connected to the stories and visions in my head than people. People were always just weird to me. Um, and then the young girls, my same age, I never connected with girls my age. So that made me feel like an eyeball. And for me, if I could catch it, then, um, I, I don't know. I mean, it made me used to feel, I used to feel really low and alone. And it's not technically horrible to travel and do some things on your own. It's not technically bad. I, I can imagine the type of uh, trouble that I, you know, I didn't get in or being misled or influenced in the wrong way because I chose to be by myself for the most part. Um, but for me, my whole, my whole being alone and being awkward and not being able to naturally communicate and talk that really had me in this really dark, lonely space for a really, really long time. And I also grew up with a sister that wasn't loving. She was evil. And I me and her, we talk about this now. She'll be on a new season, Trace and Meek, where I will break this down, wow. where siblings have to be mindful with how they treat each other. It has a really lasting effect on one another. So which this is why I, I try to speak kind words and 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 try to and show my children, hey, love on each other. Y'all, you know, brothers and sisters, y'all each other's only siblings. And those are the things I try to fight against that I that I experienced as a child that no one really saw. And when you were growing up in and you're in church, everything is, oh, pray about it. Or, you know, we won't go to church and you know, go get on the altar. And it's like, I can't, but I don't see Jesus. I don't see God. I see you. You're here. I need you to talk to me. I need you to hug me. I need you to give me some reassurance. Make me feel safe. Don't just throw me to something I can't see. I get the meaning behind, you know, pray about it, but I don't want to pray about it all the time. I want to cry on your shoulder sometimes. I want to have a fit. That's what I would fight against these days. Allowing people that space to say, I am happy. I am mad. I am upset. I don't like this. And then letting them have that moment versus just saying, pray about it. Well, you need to work that out with God. Or give something. it to God, girl. Give it to yeah, God. Yeah, give it to God. Well, God, God ain't here right now. You here. Let's we let's talk about it. That's where I'm at with it. I love that. Have you prayed about it? Have you have I? Like, you don't think that was the all right. Preach. The go-to thing, like, <laughs> like where the the Bible says faith without work is dead. So we can sit here and pray and have faith and hope and wish upon a star all day, every day. But we have to follow up with action. Other than that, praying and, and faith walking don't work. You can't sit and say, oh, Lord, give me a million dollars. Oh, Lord, send me my husband. 
And then you out here wowing or you out here, you're not even studying or trying to build a business or build a foundation. Like what are we doing? So yeah, sometimes I don't want to just pray about it. Sometimes I don't want to just get on the altar. Sometimes I don't want to just turn over to, to black Jesus. Sometimes I want to turn over to you and I want us to talk about it. And I want you to, to hear me out. Let me cry to you. And, and let me heal from that. Because there's a lot of other ways to heal. And not just talking to Black Jesus is not going to do. I um, I didn't realize how much recess and uh, PE and sports were really helping me with uh, the anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. you know, as a child and writing. So I love when you talk about taking those emotions and and using that to to influence your your what you create to influence the product mm-hmm. your story. So as you're doing that daily, what's on your agenda? What are you building this year? What are we looking out for? Oh man, price me. <laughs> the the AANBC Literary Awards is returning. We did not do it last year because of COVID. It was live streamed. Um and so we are returning this year, but it'll be in a small stage. And so we'll be live streaming a small award show. So it's a blend of both almost before we get back to the whole red carpet and gala thingy-majiggy. So I'm working on that and I got 60 days for that. And then shortly thereafter that is Black Writers Weekend. And that's gonna be our first time doing it online as well as in person. That's going to also take a lot out of me as well. And then I, I, I start this partnership with Harlequin and I'm, I'm recruiting a lot of these writers and we're putting together this pathway um, for people to submit their books to Harlequin. I'm also representing some projects too. So I'm stepping back into the literary agent role. Um, and then I'm going to be going back into filming the next season of Trace Zemeckis. So it's like, it's like boom, 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 boom. Once I finish one project, I can focus on the next project and I can go to the next project. Um, and then I have my writer's room and we're about to finish up our first future film. We're now developing my first uh, dramedy uh, series. And then I'm going to go into writing a short film uh, that I would like to take on a film festival market. So it's just a lot of projects that I'm working on that and I'm still telling my stories, um, but I'm still maintaining my daily rituals of keeping the focus on day to day, not the whole enchilada. Cause then I'm gonna get overwhelmed and I'm be cuckoo in the head and stuff. But it's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. That's exciting. That's exciting. It is. I'm really excited about it because it's it's it's. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone, and I'm used to orchestrating people's greatness. And I'll be on the I'll be on the sidelines, scouting and stuff like a proud mama. But now it's like I'm putting myself in the role for greatness, and I'm a little bit um. I'm anxious, but I'm excited because when I say when people love me, they love me, love me. But when they hate me, they <laughs> hate me, hate me. And I know with more levels, you have more of that. I've experienced it all. I've experienced the love and I've experienced the hate on the level that I'm on. So as I grow, I'm like, ooh, Lord, I don't know if I really want to deal with that space. So, you know, protect my energy, protect my, you know, my, my mind, my children, my projects. Um, everything that you want me, you know, to work on and you're manifesting for me, protect that. And I just stay focused because I, you know, what comes with it, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. 
I love that you talked about cheering for people on the sidelines because I heard you say in another interview that you have been the Gail King to a lot of Oprah Winfrey's. You've been yeah. the Gail to a lot of Oprah's. And I think that's so dope because it reminds me of, uh, what is it? Clarence Avant. That's his name. Clarence oh, okay, Avant, okay, okay, okay. The Godfather. Okay. Yes. So it reminded me of, of him and being in position for all of these stars that we didn't know were coming but he saw it and was like, okay, this is who I need to connect you to to make that happen. Here's what I can do for you. Here's what I can contribute. And so I think that's just such a, a, a special role, an important role to hold. Uh, but sometimes it could feel kind of like, you know, well, what about me? So what about you? I, I did get that a little bit, mainly, especially after I saw some people ungrateful. Mm -hmm. And not not to say that I, I you know give me a thank you and stuff like that, but let's not get amnesia. That's not why you diet, why you do it. Yeah, yeah, I don't do it for the thank yous, but I do it because I'm I'm just genuinely want people, you know, just kind of have the things I, that I want that I dream for myself. Like it's possible you can do it, and if I know it, why not share it? That's how I feel about that. But we be our worst. We could be our worst enemies, and we could be the 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 worst critics. Um, and we'd be the first people to try to counsel each other out or to be like, oh, you think you too good? Or you think you all that now? And my response is, yes. Yes, I think I'm too good. Yes, I think I'm all that. Why would I not think that? Like, what are we doing here, folks? Like, it's we have to get to the point to where we are happy genuinely for each other. We also have to get to the point where um, we are reaching across and then we're linking arms and then we're growing together versus you're trying to find someone that's two or three levels above you. You want to latch on to what they're doing. You're not adding anything to their process, but yet you're trying to gain and get up here. And then you skip some steps because you're pretending to be this person so that you can be on this level. And you skip the steps that you should have taken to where you'd be able to maintain this level. So if you don't understand the pain, the struggle, the sacrifices, the losing friends, um, the spending your money, the being broke part, all those things that help you maintain right here, it builds character. And when you don't have those tools and when you didn't do those steps and you get right here, that's why we have all these fake bosses and all these fake companies and all these fake celebrity stylists and fake celebrity this and fake celebrity that because everybody right here pretended. I, I don't like pretenders. Welcome and so when Atlanta. I began to see that, <laughs> it turned me off. I'm like, Jesus, I don't want to help these type of people. These, I don't like these type of people. This is wrong. This is not right. Their energy is not right. And I had to get to a place where what they do with it is not on me. I have to just focus on what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm designed to do. And then what they do with it. You know, karma, she comes back tenfold. Black Jesus, he be right there watching. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And it, it always comes back to you because what you are is what you get back. So I don't ever worry about it. Like it, it is what it is. It's, it's going to flow in the way that it's supposed to. And I had to get over, I had to talk myself through that, that, that piece of being upset with people that benefited off of my work and then turned around and they were buttholes. Well, yeah, we talked about this one. We talked like, about this at, at, five, at church, five church. You took me to that place. Yep. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, we went to dinner and stuff. So, so you've been to the awards, right? The, there is no award show like that for black writers of that magnitude 
And I would have people with their entitlement and being mean. Or like bum rush, like, and it was one time where people would bum rush the stage. And that's how Malcolm X got killed. Don't do that. Like, no, don't do that. No. We also but live in a city like, where that's the culture, though. We live in a city where that it's the entitlement is the culture and posing is the culture. So I'm looking at my resume like, is it me, Lord? Like, is it is it me? Right. Am I it's me? Because there's so many posers. I had to ask that too, like because when when you start getting the same type of behavior from people, I was like, but well, dang, is it me? What am I doing wrong? to where I'm, I'm seeing the same type of characteristic in all these people and they keep coming at me sideways. You're like, y'all really want me to turn to something else other than the nice sneaker. So I had to understand that everybody does not deserve a yes. You can't tell everybody yes. And when I discovered that, just because somebody say, oh, I want it. Oh, I want to do this. They, they don't technically deserve your yes. Encourage them, point the problem in the right direction, and then keep it moving. And learning that, though, that process of, of learning that and accepting that, I think this is what we talked about, too. I, I've carried a lot of guilt for the things that I gave away. And it's like, but like you said, they can't do with it what I could do with it because it came from me. Mm-hmm. You're you're the counterfeit, you know? So it took me a while to to accept that. So What is your advice to people navigating that space of, you know, wow, they they took my intellectual property or they took my time or they took my money, you know, or they pretended to be a friend so that. (laughs) I had all that. I didn't have people take my money. Like I didn't have people not pay a whole sponsorship contract, but didn't expect to get the whole, all the deliverables that you're supposed to get in the contract. And then when I said no. Then they 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 flip it and say, "Oh, she stole my money." Or she, I've had people do this. Like people just wrong. So my advice is, it sucks. I get it, y'all. It sucks. But if you're going to be in a in a place dealing with um, l- levels, uh, money, um, all different si- sorts of personalities, and then let's take it back to money, um, you're going to come across these types of individuals and these people. It's just a given. Like money brings, it's like they say money's the root of evil. But I say it's the people. <laughs> like because money don't do that. It's in you. Yeah, it's the so, love of money. It's the love of money. The worship Yeah, it's the of love money. of money. Right. It's the love of money. And um, I would tell them it sucks. Um, allow yourself to be upset. You can be mad and then get over it and move on and, and make smarter decisions. Because you're going to be in a world with people like this. It is what it is. It happens. Make better, wiser decisions. Don't be as naive as you were in the previous situation. And you just become better. And you navigate, you know how to, you know, pick and choose to allow people in your space. You get better over time. But as we're younger, we're not as smart. We don't have that much experience with people. But as you get older, especially in your 30s and your 40s, ain't no more excuses now. Now you're being naive. Now you just let people just do whatever. So you have to really begin to take your actions and your choices and learn from them and do better because it's going to happen. Bad stuff happens. People are going to hurt your feelings. But you know what also happens? Good stuff. You know what also happens? Great people come along. It's the good and the bad. So you can't just let it take over you. Like it's 
you can't just allow yourself to be mad and angry and you just stay mad and angry and you walking around with that anger because you mad that's such and say they going out doing their own thing that's stealing somebody else's money they off doing what they do right doing what they want to <laughs> do and then can i also talk on this they're like we 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 know that there are certain people that are no good right and if we see that no good person now finding their next victim and we be sitting there like mm, well better them not me this time they they there go their next victim we don't say nothing and I, and I wish that people be a little bit more receiving when someone wants to warn them or wants to give them, hey, this was my experience with this person. Now you take this information and you do with it whatever you want. But I wish that people wouldn't, would stop being, oh, I don't want to be messy. Well, that ain't my business. Well, I'm free of it now. And that's on now. What? Why would you do that? Would you do that to um, uh, say for someone violated your body and you knew they were this violent person? You wouldn't say nothing? You would let them go violate other people? You would let them go rob other people? Like, what we doing, people? Let's not do that. You like, you don't have to. It's not being there. messy. Yeah. Just tell them about your experience. And if they believe your experience, great. If they don't, oh, well. But you shared your experience. I, I want us to, to start doing that some more because we need to hold people accountable. For I the, definitely, for I, I stopped doing that with certain people for a while, like about certain people. Cause I'm like, at this point, you know, I, I told this person, I told that person, but it wasn't like I was running my mouth. It was, you saw what was happening. And mm-hmm. I, I confirmed that this was foul and you continue to do business with them. Now I got to protect myself. Now yep. I got to fall back. And then it made me, a little less, you know, likely to warn other people because I'm like, people gonna do what they want to do. But like yeah, you people, said, yeah, people it's, gonna do it's what not they on. Do. It's not on me what they do with that information. So how yeah. does somebody warn? Like if you like see see somebody partnering partnering up with somebody else who you know is toxic, a, a toxic business partner. How do you how do you warn them? Do you have to have a relationship with that 100. person? Yeah, I tell them like that's not what you want to do. I don't like, I don't technically go into specifics unless they ask. I just tell them up front, no. Because I, I'm I'm a good person. I, I already, the people that know me know that my intent is always good. And then the work that I do, I mean, I, it's evidence in that. I don't, I don't have to walk around and say, hey, I'm a good person, I'm a good person. Like, you can see that. There's evidence of that. Like, you can Google the, the work and the things that I do. So when I say, when I, when I see something, I simply tell them, Nope, that's you don't want to do. I didn't have a good experience with them. That's not what you want to do. Very, very straightforward, cut and dry. They want to go into it, cool. If they don't, cool. I don't care. I said what I had to say, but I just keep it like that. It's no drawing a girl. Let me tell you what she did to me. I don't do none of that unless they ask for detail. But I'm gonna tell them, nope, that's not it. Nope, don't work with them. Nope, that's not a good decision. And then people will ask me, I have people call my phone, they'll, they'll ask me for honest advice as well. And I'm the one, I'm that person that's going to give you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But I'm going to get, I'm going to deliver it in a nice way, in a sense. But I'm going to always be 100. I don't like to, because I don't, I've had that done to me too many times. And so when I see it, nah, that's not the person. Even the person that just recently filmed Traces Amika, they ended up, doing horrible work and not horrible work but their character was flawed and they lack integrity in business 
And I had began to introduce him to different people because that's what I do. Like, I'm going to connect you to different people so that you can continue to make money. You ain't got to give me no final speed, just whatever, just talk, whatever, go work, go, you know, go and grow. But when they didn't treat me right, I had to backtrack. And everyone that I introduced them to, I didn't have a good experience with them. I would encourage you to work with them. And that's all I said. Good. Oh, and then I did the professional thing and left a review on Google. Oh, that's better. <laughs> good and even better. Yeah, because when we do bad, like when we do, we have to stop doing bad business, y'all. Like I don't support black business. I support good business. Mm-hmm. Just because you black don't mean I'm about to give you my money because I work hard for my money. But I have been, all of my work is for the betterment of us, for black folks. So when I see black folks doing us wrong, like what are we doing that for? Like why you had why you had a lie in business? Like why are you only picking up the phone now when I'm paying an invoice, and then when I'm paid out of my invoice, I can't get you no more. But you still owe me work. Why are we doing that, folks? That's not right. And then you want to catch your attitude when I'm asking you about my project. What are we doing? That's not right. <laughs> like I feel like I'm in a twilight zone. When people are doing bad business, am I wrong? I I paid for a service. Excuse me, sir. So no, I support good business, not black business. And black business owners have better integrity when it comes to business. Mean well when it comes to business because we're travels. Your character is what's going to help you grow. Not an idea, not a talent because there's talented people everywhere. Everybody got talent. If everybody tapped into what made them special, they can find a way to make money off of that. But if your character is flawed and you're, you don't, you lack integrity and you're just not an overall good person in general and you're out for self, it shows and eventually you will fall off. I've seen it time and time and time again. So you've published 17 books of your own and you are off into the media production world to continue to build up on your empire. Can you talk a little bit about the authors and how many authors and how many books you've been able to publish and put on through your company? I had a little over 40 so writers in my publishing career. I've published well over 300. And I want to say almost all of them are in paperback, not just digitally. Um, and a lot of those, my early writers that I started publishing, I started publishing back in 20, no, 2009. A lot of them now are full-time career writers because when I started my company, I built artists. So I took them on the road, taught them how to speak with their, with their, to their readers, taught them how to do book signings. I booked their media, um, promotional flyers and sell sheets, anything you think that a writer needs to be equipped with, I did that because I built career writers. I knew what I wanted to build within people was more than just me providing your book to be available for print. And that was the type of work that I did in publishing. Um, And I stopped publishing because I'm also a writer. And Arthur's under my publishing company got it confused. When Tamika Newhouse is on the road, Tamika Newhouse is on the road. Tamika Newhouse is publishing, is promoting her book. I don't have to take your book on the road with me if I want to. I, that's not my book. This is not a Delphi Publications event. This is a Tamika Newhouse thing. And so it got to the point where 
what I was doing should have been equal to what they were receiving as well. And if I wasn't booking it, they weren't doing anything. And that's when I had to stop and have to kind of cut back. Giving a lot, again, that entitlement comes into play. And then people forget, hey, she's not supposed to actually be doing this. She's only supposed to be doing this part. And that's where that part, that journey with publishing went wrong. Now, I do enjoy, and I've, I've helped over the years, maybe almost 100 other writers start independent publishing companies. Now, I enjoy that part because then once your publishing company is launched, I'm gone. I'm doing something else. I'm not liable for the success of it and none of that. Um, I don't want to do that part no more. I don't want to be the writer's lifeline. They make me their lifeline. And when they lack success in their journey, I'm the problem. I'm not doing it no more. And I'm not playing those games no more. Because it's just like with any record company. You don't see artists, um, when, when artists and they're putting out their music, their record label is the machine behind of it. But it's not a guarantee that that artist is going to be extremely successful. You can take Tierra Marie and Rihanna as an example. They came out at the same time. Tierra Marie who? And now Rihanna what? It's totally different. And it really depends on the people you have around you, the artist itself, and what they put into their own journey. And I had to really learn that as well, that you know you can set your artists up, but you can't be their end-all be-all. And that's a part of the, the publishing world that I no longer enjoy is publishing people books. They can publish their own book. <laughs> so for that, for the people who want to publish their own books, what is your advice to just getting started for that person who's sitting on the idea? They know they have a story to tell, but they're afraid because they don't know where to start. Uh, well, first, if the story's not done, focus on that. Because the technical part is easy because you can go search how to publish a book on Google and it gives you the simple steps. But I wouldn't worry about that part first until you've actually written the story. Now, if you do not know how to technically get started with this and you have this idea, I would suggest getting a consultant. Now, my I have a media company that offers literary consulting and they can help you identify what the story is and make your thoughts make sense and break down your story chapter by chapter if need be and then from there you can go and you know and write out your story um but even if you don't want to do that um story breakdown a storybook the art of storytelling like google and search these words like if there are things that you want to do there's no such thing as i don't know how what we doing people Everything is at your fingertips. So there's no such thing as, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm doing. Maybe you may not have the time or the patience, or you may not want to do it, but there is a way to figure it out because I, I did it. I, I self-published my first book when I was 20, when just by studying self-publishing. Then I launched a company, but a publishing company when I was 21. And I took it a step further and kept launching more stuff after researching it. I found the steps, I did it, and then I put my own little twist on it. So there's a way. So saying I don't know how, that shouldn't be in your vocabulary. Um, figuring out, like, how should I do it? That should what That is what you should be saying. How can I figure out the steps? But again, if you wanted me to help, Delphine Legacy Media, y'all come to me. <laughs> and lastly, I, I want people to tap a little bit into their healing process 
because as a creative or as an entrepreneur, um, you need to be whole and you need to be a, a, a whole happy individual to be able to maintain your creative and your entrepreneur path. Your brain is your most valuable tool. Um, and if you're not taking care of that, ultimately a lot of things will tend to fall and crumble. And so use me as an example in life, love, goal setting, um, building relationships, even with your health, because I used to be really, really, really heavy. I was like 250 pounds at one point. And everything that I really wanted, I, I just, I changed it intentionally. So I would encourage people to listen to my podcast. It's called Traces and Mika. And it's my memoir pod. It's on season two right now. And each season has about seven episodes because it's God's complete number seven. And I talk about um, the industry trying to counsel me. I talk about um, what went wrong in my marriage um, and the betrayal of my husband, the secrets that I, I had, I, the secrets I, I kept from my children that ultimately destroyed um, my relationship with my children. I talk about with the witnessing of my mother's death. A lot of us bury our, children, our, our parents, but they don't technically die in front of us. And, and I talk about how traumatic that was for me. I've had a lot of traumas back to back, back to back, back to back. But I also on the outside, I was at the heights of my writing career, smiling outwardly. A lot of people didn't know I was going through a lot of these things. So with Trace and Mika, it, it, I dive into that vulnerable space for the first time, talking about all these ugly things, but I also talk about some beautiful things too. And uh, season two is called The Other Side of Healing, because now that I've gone through the process of identifying my traumas, my pains, uh, my sadness, now I'm on the other side of that. There's another part. Because once you identify, now you got to do the steps to, to discover the new you. Because now you have, what's your, the new things that you like? your new habits, your self-care measures. I talk about all that on my podcast. For more conversations about motherhood, trauma, and entrepreneurship, catch new episodes of Traces of Mika streaming now on all podcast listening platforms. Thank you for tuning in to the Purpose Producer Podcast. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and review. And don't forget to follow us on all social platforms at the purpose producer. And as always, thank you for being a light on my path to purpose.